Welcome to Trailhead Church. My name is Steve, and uh, I'm the lead pastor. Um, this morning, we're going to be jumping into the book of Acts. Uh, but before we flip over there, I want to remind you, we do have a, a time change in our services coming up uh, in the first Sunday in June. Okay, so um, is that next week or the week after? You like that? The week after. All right. So not this coming Sunday, but the Sunday after. Sorry, I'm calendar challenged. Um, but we are moving to 9 and 1045, so that does not affect you in this service if you are a regular 9 o'clock attender, but it might make the later service more attractive to you. The reason we are doing it is that we have had uh, consistently quite a few more people at our 9 a.m. than at our 11 o'clock service, and as a result, um, our Trailhead Kids uh, has been pretty imbalanced and slammed at the 9 a.m. So we're hoping that by moving it to 1045 and shifting the whole thing a little bit earlier, that service is going to become a little bit more attractive to our families uh, with kids, get them out a little bit earlier for lunch, okay? So that starts um, the first week in June. Please be aware of that. All right, go ahead and grab your Bibles. We're going over to Acts chapter 16 this morning, continuing our sermon series through the book of Acts. Um, We jump back in last week uh, and continuing this week in Acts chapter 16. This morning, I'm going to be talking about um, closed doors. And I think you know what I mean when I talk about closed doors, metaphorically, talking about opportunities that uh, we thought we would enjoy, that don't come to fruition, paths, life paths that we thought we would walk down, that for whatever reason... Um, they get blocked, right? Uh, when you want to go somewhere in your life, and, and in fact, you think you are going there, but the opportunity doesn't open up, or the one you thought you had disappears. Closed doors are hard. I mean, it's incredibly frustrating. When, when you've got yourself aligned on a goal, when you are moving toward an end, when, when your, your wanter <laughs> is turned on, and wanting what's on the other side of that door, and you think there's an open door that will get you there. It is frustrating, it is exhausting when that door is shut. And as a result, we often feel sorrow and hurt. We even feel shame and anger uh, for hoping in something that, that didn't come through. So this morning we're going to be talking about what do we do when God closes doors to paths that we desperately wanted to walk down or, or, or when we're standing at a closed door and we don't feel like God's telling us to move on and we're growing exhausted in waiting, we're getting sick of waiting and, and we're just telling God, will you just point me to the open door? Will you just let me go? And he hasn't. And he isn't. So there's all kinds of unique suffering and temptation that comes when we run into these situations in our lives. And that's when we need to really push into faith uh, to resist the uh, temptation to fear. It's when we need to see life through a commitment to long-term faithfulness instead of giving it to the temptation of short-term fulfillment. All right, so let's take a look at our text, and then we're going to be digging in. We're looking at Acts chapter 16, and we're going to be looking at 6 through 10. All right, starting in verse 6. And they went through the region of Phrygia. Sorry, that one's hard to pronounce. Went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. The word of the Lord. All right, so this is kind of a weird passage. (laughs) This is kind of a weird passage. I mean, honestly, this is the kind of stuff that normally you would just read and skip over. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is, you probably just usually read this and then just keep right on moving because it just seems a bit trivial. Paul is starting his second missionary journey, 
and, uh, and he is heading off full of hope and excitement, right? He is, he, is, he is ready to share the gospel. He is ready to move into regions that he hasn't worked in yet. He's ready to, to speak with people who have not yet heard the hope of the resurrection of Jesus. He is excited, and he's built his team, right? He's got, he's got Silas, this, this new young protege who is following with him. He's, he's got Timothy, and, and uh, even though Timothy's just been circumcised, man, he's ready to go, and, and both of them are a bit starry-eyed. I am sure they are, they are beginning a journey with, with Paul, who even at this point in his ministry was, was becoming one of the giants in the faith. He was, he was somebody that, that everyone was hearing about and following, and these young guys got to travel with him. And, and you'll notice that right at the end of our passage, it's the first mention of we in the book of Acts. Instead of describing in third person, he did this, he did this, he did this, finally it says we did this. Well, Luke wrote the book of Acts. And so it is in this journey that he picks up one more guy in his ministry team, Luke, who starts traveling with them for a season. And so they start walking. And as they're walking, God starts closing doors. Right? Paul was like, hey, you guys, let's go to Asia. I think that's a great idea. Let's go share the gospel in Asia. And God was like, nope, don't go there. And Paul's like, all right, uh, I guess we'll wander through Galatia and Phrygia instead. Hey, I know, we'll go to Bithynia. And Spirit's like, no, no, you're, you're not going there either. Well, all right, I guess I'll wander over to Troas. All right, listen, Paul knew what it was like to run into closed doors. And you're like, Steve, seriously, it's like three verses, right? How frustrating could that have been? Right? Paul probably didn't even notice. Yeah, um, this little walk of his covered around 1,300 miles. He had two guys following his lead who, who were young and starry-eyed and excited, and, 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 and right off the bat, he's like, we're going, the, no, no. Okay, we're going to go, mm, no, right? One of them's hobbling pretty good um, because of his, his commitment to following with Paul. Now listen, you guys, depending on the weather, and the travel conditions, they were traveling over really rugged and in some places really treacherous terrain. Some of those mountain passes were notorious for, for roadside bandits and, and for thievery. And I mean, these guys were in danger. And, and this trip would have taken them more than likely a couple months to move to, to Troas. So it's no big deal when we read through it in the text, right? We just read over it and we're like, well, what's the big deal, right? But, but I am guessing it was a big deal to them as they lived it. You know what I'm saying? As, as they were trudging along on this journey and, and excited and ready to get this thing going, and all they hit was delay after delay, I am guessing it was a big deal. This was a season of frustration. It was a season of redirection. It was a season of closed doors. Now, it does end... With, uh, with this great vision, right? They get to Troas, and, and he gets this vision of a man over in Macedonia who's calling him, saying, hey, come, come minister in Macedonia. And, and finally, he's like, yes, God's finally showing us what we're supposed to do next, where we're supposed to go, right? And, and so that makes it all, all good, right? But listen, they had to walk 1,300 miles to get to that vision. And on every step of that journey, Right? We have the privilege of reading it, knowing how it ends. They didn't know how it ends. They didn't, they didn't know when the frustration was going to end. They didn't know when the closed doors were going to end. They had to walk through the frustration to get to the clarity. They had to pass through the difficulty to get to the place where, where they could move with confidence. There are a few things that I think we can notice about closed doors kind of right up front with this. First, is that God's will is often clearer in the rearview mirror than out of the front windshield. You know what I'm saying? Like, like once you pass through the events and you look back on them, and you're like, oh, I can totally see God's hand in that. <laughs> I can totally see how he's leading me. I can totally see. But when you're in the middle of it, it's just movement, frustration, confusion, right? God's hand is always clearer in the rearview mirror, but there's only one way to get there. You've got to go through it. <laughs> 
which is hard. Especially when everything in you is aligned to go through a specific closed door. And God just isn't opening it. And he seems far away and life seems frustrating. You know how your wanter, I mean, you know what I mean by the wanter, right? This thing in you that, that latches itself on something, right? And, and sometimes once it's latched itself onto something, it's really, really hard to get it to let go. And when a door closes between your wanter and the thing it wants, man, it creates all kinds of internal and frustration, angst, feelings of betrayal and abandonment, isolation and fear. God feels far away, or if he's near, he is obviously not exercising his power on our behalf. The second thing is, is even though God, God's hand is often much more clear in the rearview mirror than while we're going through it, while we're going through it, others often have a very difficult time fully entering into our suffering. When we're going through it, our suffering is often unique and isolating because it's yours and it's unique to you and your experience. Now, there are people who have probably suffered in similar ways. There are people who have probably walked in similar paths and, and, and those people can come with, with a unique comfort because they can often relate to you in the things that you're experiencing. But even though they can relate to you in the things that you're experiencing, they haven't experienced the exact things you're experiencing. So while they can come alongside you, it is often difficult for them to travel with you. When we are dealing with the frustration and the isolation of closed doors, it is often an isolating and difficult experience that forces us to move more deeply into a dependence on God because He's the only one that can travel with us. The difficulty, though, is it's in that moment that He often feels the most far away. It's often because we feel like we need whatever that is on the other side of the door to be happy. We need that for our well-being and for our flourishing, and he's the only one that could open it, and he hasn't it. So it often feels like God has forgotten us, like you are alone in this thing after all, because even though you're trying to do the right thing, God's just not meeting you in it. Even though you're trying to be faithful, you ever had those arguments with God? You're like, God, I am actually trying to do the right thing. I'm actually trying to follow you right now. I'm actually trying, and you're not equipping me to do it. You're not opening the door I need to do this. All right, we're going to unpack this a little bit more. And there are a number of applications here for us, but I want us to take some time and talk about one specific application. Um, this passage is very timely. As I was working my way through the book of Acts and I was studying this, again, um, kind of God aligning this passage for this morning because we as a church have run into a closed door. Now, many of you were here uh, when we prayed over Aaron Parks and sent him out to plant our second daughter church to, to start Access Church. If, if you weren't here, when we did that, then, then you may know him from the last couple of months when he has stepped in and preached for me when I needed uh, a break. Aaron went out to start our second daughter church in Troy, and uh, here's the thing. He's been working on it for about three years. He's been active in the community for a little over a year, um, sharing the gospel, meeting people, trying to get traction, uh, and it's become clear to us that God's not opening that door. It's become clear to us that that door simply the Spirit is saying no. Now, here's the thing. He's been faithful. He's been working hard, and he has been persistent in his pursuit. But there are times that in spite of our best efforts, God says, this isn't the time, this isn't the place. In spite of our best efforts, there are times when God says, even though you are walking obediently and even though you are following, this is not going to flourish. So I want to let you guys know, and that's kind of where we're going this morning, the second church plant, Access Church, uh, didn't take. And, um, and there are a couple reasons uh, that I want to bring this up this morning. Some people are like, dude, why didn't you bring this up in a members meeting or something? Why are you doing this on a, on a Sunday morning? And, and there are some specific reasons that I wanted to do this on a Sunday morning. First, um, I really wanted to, to honor both the faith and the sorrow of those that invested 
so much. There is real sorrow. Aaron and Joni have invested um, man, the last three years very specifically into this, last five years um, plus into dreaming and working and actively um, working toward this. Uh, and many of you have invested. Some of you went with them to Troy to, to assist and try to help plant this church in long some of you um, invested financially into uh, the effort. Many of you have been praying for uh, Aaron and, and Joni and, and for the church plant. And so I want, to, um, I want to honor that, right? I want to honor the sorrow because it's real. There is a sorrow when, when God closes a door. There is sorrow. But I also want to honor the faith. And in fact, I want to celebrate it because... Um, it took great faith to even get to this place, to take this step. And, and here's the thing, you guys. Every real risk carries with it the chance of failure. If there's no chance of failure, there's no risk. <laughs> and, and the reality is that when we take great risks, we are, in a sense, stepping out and saying, God, what are you going to do with this? I'm investing my life. I am making myself available. But in the end, this is your work. Right? God's the one who starts churches, not us. God is the one who prospers the gospel, not us. God is the one who, who, who raises up new um, expressions of his local body, not us. We make ourselves available. We labor diligently with our gifts and with our talents, but it's God who, who leads. So faith allows us in risk to follow and to take risks um, even when the outcome isn't guaranteed. And here's the thing, you guys, there's honor in the following. There's honor in the following because true success isn't getting what we want. True success is following where he leads. And sometimes he leads us into difficult paths. Sometimes he leads us into areas of, of struggle because he has a purpose in that struggle. Um, it wasn't what we anticipated, it wasn't what we wanted, but it is where he leads. And so finally, I think there's also an encouragement here for all of our faith. Um, when I see a guy like Aaron uh, stepping out in faith, a young guy with a young family, uh, a young guy with, with uh, a lot of, you know, potential, a guy who steps away from his first career in education to, to push into an opportunity, when I, when I see that, um, man, it encourages me. It encourages me. It strengthens my faith. Um, it, it makes me... Um, more bold. And, uh, and so I want, uh, I want that to, to influence us. All right. So I'm going to invite Aaron up. Joni hates the spotlight, so I'm going to honor that. I'm not going to ask her to, uh, to step up. Uh, but Aaron has been gracious enough to uh, open up um, his experience, his life with us a bit, and to learn. So you guys, let's honor him as he um, kind of steps up and Thank you. So if you don't know, this is Aaron, Aaron Parks. Say hi, Aaron. Hi, Aaron. It's a comedian in every group. It's been a crazy, nice. couple, crazy nice. couple of weeks. Yes, it has. It has. I mean, just so you guys know, Aaron and I have been um, really just over the last two weeks kind of unpacking... Um, where God was leading, wrestling in prayer, kind of thinking through, man, what, what is God doing? Um, and, and Aaron and, and his board, Access Church's board, and, and I have been actively praying. And, and um, it's, been a, it's been a hard couple of weeks for, for Aaron, um, but we really believe we've discerned God's direction and God's will. And, um, and so uh, we just want to own it and, and at the same time want to celebrate. Here's the thing. This morning, I want to kind of go back. I want to go back. I want to talk a little bit about um, how you got on this journey and, and some of the things you've learned along the way. So, so kind of to start this off, um, what, <laughs> what led you to take this crazy step to, uh, to dream about moving toward planting a church? It's funny. Um, I'm going to kind of shatter the veneer that this is spontaneous. Steve gave me these questions in advance, so I've thought through some of these things. Okay. Um, 
I, well, I was about to say something very scripted, and I didn't want it to come off as like, wow. How do you, how do you find those words? Here? But you use, because you, when he sent me that question, and I, I was looking at it, and he said this, bold, did you say bold steps or crazy steps? What or, led you to take the crazy <laughs> steps toward church planting to start with? Let me, let me look at my notes. Um, to me, to me, um, I, as I look back, in rear view, the windshield, that stuff. Yeah. Nothing felt all that bold or crazy at the time. Mm. It just all felt like the next mm. step. It just felt like this was the, the next logical thing to do. Like, mm. I, um, I just became very convinced at a, at a certain point, um, and we can go back. We, live, we, we were living in Indiana. I was teaching full-time and um, involved... Um, very heavily involved in our church there, but just became more and more convinced that God um, was calling me to, to live more missionally and, and just praying about what that looked like. And, um, and, and like I said, just logically, it felt like the next step was to move somehow into to full-time ministry. And from that, just um, without giving you our whole life story, it just felt like all along the way as, as I would pray and ask God what he wanted me to do. It just felt like the next step logically just kind of led us in this direction to a place where it was like when, when it finally came, like we're going to plan a church, it just felt like, well, yeah, of course, we're going to yeah. try to plan a church. That's just where, where God's been leading us. Um, looking back now, I can say like, well, that was crazy, but, but ultimately it just came from this sense of like, I, I got to a place where my heart was, and, and Joni and I together talking about our hearts were broken for the idea that we believe strongly that the gospel is true, and we believe strongly that every, we would, we desire to see every single person know the gospel and know Jesus Christ, and out of that desire, just saying, so God, what, what do we do, how do we do that, how can we be a part of that, what you're doing in that, um, it just led us on, on this journey, um, the only thing I would say that felt really crazy at the time in the moment was when we had been full-time on staff at a church in Oklahoma City, and I resigned that job and moved here um, with the, a, a part-time job teaching, and then part-time we were going to do the internship, the residency here at Trailhead. And driving from Oklahoma to Illinois and not having any clue whether we were going to get any of the money that people had promised they were going to give. Like, there was, there was definitely an eight-hour drive there that was like, I'm not so sure about this. Um, that, that part felt crazy. Other than that, it, everything genuinely, I, and I'm, I'm not trying to, like, exaggerate, it just felt like this is, this is the next step. This is the way. With the idea, with the goal, with the vision of we want to share the gospel, this just, everything just felt like this was the next step. I love that. I love that because it's it. it um, a lot of times when the when the Lord is is impressing His will on us, when He is calling us to something, um, and we respond in faith, whatever the step is, it just feels reasonable. It really does to us. Like when when Jesus said, "Hey Peter, <laughs> why don't you get out of the boat and walk?" Right, and Peter takes that first step out into the water. It probably felt incredibly reasonable to Peter. Everyone else is going, "Peter, what do you, what do you?" But for Peter in that moment, it's like, well, he told me to. He called me, right? And so when we look at your life, you know, you were teaching, you had a career, um, and then you're like, nah, I'll go to work for the church. And then you're working for a church in Oklahoma, and we're talking about possibility of residency, and I'm like, hey, man, see if you can raise this much money in three months, right? And so you get on the phone, and you start calling people, and you get all these commitments, and you don't even know if it's coming. So you quit your job, and you jump in your car, and you drive here. Um, and that first summer... Yeah, it didn't come in. <laughs> like it was, and and it was a teaching job, and I hadn't started teaching yet. Yeah. So that first summer, we got here, and like the first month, we were supposed to get support, and we got a fourth of what had been promised, and we were like, oh, maybe this was the wrong idea. <laughs> maybe we weren't supposed to be. Here. But then, as it went on, I mean, things came in. Yeah. Well, I love that because there is a sense in which, from an outsider's perspective, often following the Lord doesn't look like it makes sense. But when you're actually taking steps of faith, it makes perfect sense. Um, all right, so what's been the best part of the journey? As you think about this crazy, you know, because this isn't the end of the journey. This is just a, a new chapter, right? So 
up to this point, what's been the best part? The best part, as far as, as it's related to access and planning the church in Troy, um, by far, far and away the best part has been um, watching the, the people who came alongside us. And, um, yeah. Yeah. <coughs> um, we had an, an amazing team. And um, they, they sacrificed, you know, as much as we did it, and, and in some cases probably more. Um, many, many of them came from Trailhead. And so they left um, for a season thinking, not for a season, thinking for, for, for good. Uh, what we consider to be a wonderful, uh, amazing church. And um, we asked them, and they responded to, to, to come with us to leave a great church and to step out. And here's where I look at them and say, in totally in faith, totally trusting um, to do what I can look and say, yeah, that's bold, that's crazy. And, and to watch them over the last year to see them grow and to see them um, be stretched and to see them do things that I think, I, I, I'm, I think they would agree would they never considered they would ever do. Um, to serve in ways that they never would have considered, to be missional, to, to, to put themselves out there um, on mission in ways that they never would have considered, and, um, and to form relationships with those people, to, to, you know, to link arms together and walk side by side into that and watch them as God has worked in their lives is far and away to me the most. Um, do, you, do you mind if uh, there are a few people no, here no, yeah. um, who were a part of the team and... Yeah. They are, this is, listen, the, my, our team was m amazing um, and not at all uh, want the spotlight, um, so they might hate me for this, but would you guys mind standing up if you were a part of the team for access? Would you guys mind, please? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, thank you guys for jumping in and being part of the crazy journey. Um, so, talked about the part that brought you the most joy. Uh, the relationships, the, the connectedness, the seeing people. Like, it is something, man, when you cast a vision for something that doesn't exist and people are like, yes, let's make that happen. <laughs> You're like, great, I have no idea how we're going to do this. Uh, that is kind of a crazy, crazy thing. Um, but obviously there's, there's been a lot of struggle. And, and a lot of difficulty. Um, what, what's hurt the most? I mean, where, where's the pain get you? So I choked up talking about the best part. Yeah. So now you want me to talk about the worst yeah, part? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it, you know, like you said, this has been a dream for us for years, years and years that we've talked and dreamed about what it would look like to start a new church and, um, and getting there and um, feeling and, and seeing like we're making progress and we're moving towards this and like this is going to happen. And then, um, you know, starting around February, in February we started meeting once a week mm -hmm. and, um, and just the, you know, every Sunday morning, our team was there. Our team was awesome, and they were working hard. And then, but but nobody else was, and um, and that that was hard. And then, honestly, that you know that on the basis of just like we we've done everything we know to do. We've done everything we could to invite people. We've done everything we could to to let people know that we're doing this. That we believe that there's a need here. We know there are people in Troy who who don't know Jesus, who need to hear the gospel, who aren't going to church anywhere, and they're just, and we've done everything we could. That's hard. That's really hard. Um, and then the, 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 the second half, or, or the, the other part of that, is that there were, a f you know, some people who came who, um, who we were like, yes, this is, we're, we're connecting. These are people who need to hear the gospel. They're coming. They're getting involved. And then for whatever reason, they, you know, um, a conversation, a phone call, a text message, like, hey, we're, we're moving on. We're going to go to this church instead. We're going to be, and it's like, 
you know, that just, I mean, it, it hurts. It feels really personal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We had a, yeah. a family that, that we were super excited, and they were super excited. Like, I, you know, I kept talking to this guy. He's like, this is awesome. I'm so, I'm so excited. I'm all in, whatever you want. And I was like, hey, do you want to serve? Where would you like to serve? Anywhere you want. This is the best thing. This is the greatest thing ever. And, um, and then on a Monday, I scheduled him to, to work in our kids' area the next Sunday, and he sent me a text. And was like, um, yeah, we've been visiting some other churches. I think we're going to go to this one instead. And I was just like, whoa. <laughs> you know, like out of the blue to me. And at that point, you know, we've got 15 people to lose two of them is, that's a huge blow, you know. Um, those were the things that hurt the most was just the, the feeling of we have done everything we know to do. And for whatever reason, mm-hmm. it's just not Taking root. not working. Yeah, I don't think people under, yeah, and this is a little bit of pastor talk, but um, when when you're leading in an organization like this, um, you put yourself out there. You put yourself out there in ways that are incredibly vulnerable. And, um, uh, you know, you're inviting people very much like Paul said, follow Jesus like I follow Jesus. And when people are like, I'm going to follow Jesus, just not like you do (laughs) or with you (laughs) or around you, um, there are times that feels incredibly personal. And, um, And that's one of the areas I think the Spirit disciplines our heart is is to really grow to a place where we're like, man, I, I want God's best for you, even if it's not here. I want God's best for you, wherever that is, whatever that looks like, I want God's best for you. But that doesn't change the fact that, that it hurts and that there is a sense, even in that giving and blessing, it's costly. It's costly for sure. So what advice do you have for people as they um, consider... Um, their lives, your story, the, you know, what advice do you have for people who want to take bold steps for the gospel, who want to take risks, but aren't sure how to move forward, or if they should? Yeah. So, two, two things, uh, as I was thinking about this, two things that I would say, if you're like, I think God's calling me to do something really big, um, the first thing I would say is, well, what are you doing right now? Um, are you being obedient? Are you being faithful to sometimes, let me, sometimes, and for whatever reason, our culture or or just our own personal ambition, we get in our heads and I, I get in my head, like, I want to do something big. Mm. I want to do something bold. I want to make a difference. I want to, you know, this big picture or this big, huge, you know, um, God works through very small things and he works in us through our faithfulness to, and Jesus said, you, you have to be faithful with, with the small things before you'll be entrusted with anything that's large. Mm-hmm. If you feel like God might be calling you to do something big or something bold or something amazing, like he might be. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you being faithful to right now? How are you being faithful right now? And then I guess the, per, the personal side where all right, I would draw that out of my personal story is as you're faithful in those things, the big things don't feel like big things. They just feel like the next step of obedience. If you're in your head thinking, like, I'm going to do this big, huge, bold thing, then maybe you've jumped ahead. I, I don't know. I'm not, I, I can't speak to everybody's personal, specific situation. Um, it's really good for you if you're th- feeling like God's calling you to something to be in community with people who can sp- speak to your personal, specific situation. Um, and that would go along with being faithful to what God's called you to right now. One of the things he's called you to is to be in relationships and in community with other Christians who can speak into your life, if you have in your head, God's calling me to do this big, huge thing, and the people around you say, yeah, we see that too, and they're good, godly people who are also following what, what, you know, what God's will would be, then that's a huge affirmation. If you're thinking this, I'm going to go do this huge thing, and the people around you, who they're praying for you, they love you, they care about you, and they love Jesus too, and they're saying, I'm not so sure, then, then you need to heed those, those red flags. Um, so that, that would be number one. Number two, um, there's this verse that, that um, has been really important to me lately. Um, and I was read, read this, it's, it's been a couple months ago now, um, but it's stuck with me, and over the last couple weeks especially, it's just been like huge for me. Um, when I think about 
And when you think about God's calling me to do this, God wants me to do this big, bold thing, and you get in your head, and this is what success looks like, um, you have to remember, we have to, I have to remember, um, specifically as it talks about being on mission, as we talk about being on mission, that when you share the gospel, you have succeeded. Regardless of what happens, you have succeeded. And in Isaiah, God speaks through the prophet Isaiah, and he says this, um, and this has just been huge for me lately. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Um, when we share the gospel, when we speak God's word, it succeeds. It succeeds in the way God intends it to succeed. And, and I don't know what that is. Like right now, I don't know what God intended in, in Troy or intends future. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But I know that what we did when we shared the gospel with people, that it did what God wanted it to do. Um, so if you're thinking, if you're asking yourself, is God calling me to do this? Um, no, not N-O, K-N-O-W, no. That, um, <laughs> Run away! <laughs> no. <laughs> Understand <laughs> that when you do, when you follow God, when you share him, when you share his word with other people, that in that sharing in that obedience you have succeeded mm -hmm. whether the thing that you have set out to do succeeds or fails in sharing in speaking in, in following in obeying you have succeeded and that's just been really really sustaining to me lately that's a good word man that's a good word i was i bit of advice i got from a mentor was you know, if you live by your success you're going to die by your failure and the, the challenge is our wanter gets set on the wrong success, right? Instead of, instead of wanting God to get his glory, we want a little bit of it, <laughs> you know? Instead of, of people hearing the gospel and growing in grace, we want them to do that, but we want them to do it through us, you know? And, and our wanter gets shifted a little bit so that so that we start living by our vision of our success. And when that happens, man, our failure feels final. And our failure feels devastating. That's a good word, man. Um, so as you're moving out of vocational ministry, at least in this season of your life, in this stage right now, um, what does it look like for you to, to stay on mission? I mean, obviously you're not stepping away from mission, right? No, we've been... <laughs> um, we're, we're actually... And this is... I don't know if this is ironic or weird or just bizarre, but... Um, We've been talking, and like, honestly, for us, our lives, a lot of it, we're going to be doing the same things we've been doing. Mm -hmm. Like, what we've learned, a lot of what we've learned over the last year, and, and we've learned a lot through this, and God's changed us a lot, and our view of what it means to share the gospel has changed a lot. Um, we're going to, we're still going to be doing most of the same things. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be um, trying to get a church started, but beyond that, we're going to be um, getting to know our neighbors and inviting them over and having them over for dinner and getting to actually know them and care about them and love them and, and speak into their lives as best as we can. We, um, we had a, a barbecue last summer when we first moved to our, our house in Troy. We had everybody over. A, a bunch of our neighbors came over, and we found out that, like, none of our neighbors are, are followers of Christ. We're like, this is like we're, fo we're, we're in the middle of a whole bunch of people who need to hear the gospel. Well, we're not moving. We still live around those people. We're going to continue to love them and care about them and look for and hope for opportunities to share the gospel with them. But that's not going to change. We, we love Troy. Um, we've, we've lived in Troy for a year now, and we've gotten to really love the community and the town. And um, as a team, we got involved in some of the different activities going on. We would volunteer and help out. We're going to keep doing that, as, maybe not as a team, but as, as a family. We're going to say, what can we do in this community to serve in this community because we love the people who live here, um, none of that changes really, you know. Um, we're going to be involved and invested here at Trailhead 
So we're going to be involved in serving in a local church, which is what we were trying to, to do through Access. So mm-hmm. in, in a maybe a weird way, like everything has changed for us and nothing is changing. <laughs> right. You know, right. Um, I, I feel almost more excited now, almost more um, fired up about the, the, the possibilities and, the, and the, the, the vision before us of, of living on mission together. What I love about that is what we're talking about really is just simply the call to gospel. Yeah. Every follower of Christ is called to follow Christ. And that means being on mission. It means loving people. Uh, it means sharing the love of Christ in action and in word and, and just meeting people where they are. It's just sometimes God calls us to make our, our income, you know, to, to be, in a sense, paid so that we can invest our full-time energy and all of our, all of our creativity and talents and all of that into equipping the body to do the same. Um, what we're simply talking about is a transition of where your paycheck's coming from. Yeah, I love that. All right, so how can we pray for you as, uh, and you and your family as you guys are moving into this new season? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Like, I honestly, um, I don't even know. (laughs) Sounds horrible. I don't know, because, like, everything just seems very open right now. Like, I don't know what's coming next right now. Mm. Um, so I know we're going to need a lot of prayer, but I don't know for what. (laughs) Um. Well, you need a job, right? I do need a job. That would be a good thing to pray for. Yeah. Um, we want to live on mission, yeah. and so pray that, that we would um, continue in that. Um, it's hard. We're, you know, we're processing through a lot of things right now that this um, didn't go the way we expected, and so some days it hurts really, really bad, and some days it's just really exciting, like what's coming next, and it's up and down, and... Um, and so pray for my family because they have to deal with me <laughs> through that. <laughs> um, and that's not always, it's not ever fun. <laughs> um, yeah, just pray for us just adjusting to what's next and, um, and embracing it. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I just real vaguely just pray for us, you know. <laughs> um, All right. Just in a real vague way, and God will answer it in a real specific way. <laughs> All right. The Lord knows. All right, let me pray for you now, brother. You guys pray with me. Um, okay, we're, we're charismatics with seatbelts on, so just extend your hand. There we go. You're laying hands on them at a distance, and uh, let's pray. Father, I, I, I had the great privilege of laying my hands on Aaron to send him out to this mission. And I have a great privilege of laying hands on him to receive him back. Lord, I thank you that you are not far from him. That your work is deep and powerful. And what you're doing in him is way more important than what he would do for you. Because it's what you do in him that lasts, and it's what you do through him that is, is, is actually going to bless him and bless others. And so I thank you that even in this difficult season, you are not far away. That even though he has run into this closed door, that does not mean you abandoned him or left him. That you love him, you love Joni, you love their kids, you love Troy. You love each of the people that were on his launch team. And you have plans to prosper and to bless. And so I pray, Lord, that you will increase his faith. That you will meet them in this time of, of, of understandable suffering and, and understandable sorrow. That you will... Um, in a sense, reignite their vision for mission um, because mission is love. It's just love. It's experiencing love and sharing it with others. Man, just increase his appetite for your presence and increase his appetite to share it with others. I pray your rich blessing on him, his family, and on his launch team. Lord, I do pray that you will practically provide for their needs, that you will open up the perfect door for a job, that you will continue to lead them and bless them. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you guys, as we, uh, as we wrap up, I just have a couple things. Um, the first is, is um, I make it clear, Aaron has been a faithful servant. And uh, we receive him back with, with, uh, with, with honor. Um, 
And uh, we have plans. We, we're talking about launching a community group now in Troy. Um, and some of you are coming from that direction, and, and uh, it's going to be the opportunity to have a, a community group in your community to be on mission and to move more deeply into um, to community with one another. Uh, as you interact with Aaron, let me give you a little advice. Don't be awkward, okay? Um, don't do the like, like this thing, you know, where it's like you look at him and you're not sure what's, you know, if you want to say, man, hey, man, I'm sorry because you understand his sorrow, do it, man. If the Spirit's kind of stirring you to say, man, I'm, I'm sorry for what you've gone through. If you want to give him a high five and say, dude, I so admire your faith, do that, right? Um, that's fine. Celebrate the faith and, and, and relate with the sorrow. Um, but let's welcome him back. He and Joni and the kids and, and those that are on the launch team, let's welcome them back with honor because um, they are coming back um, in an honorable way. Aaron stands among men who have risked much. And he has earned my respect. So listen, um, I just want to end with two points for us, okay, to kind of drill this home for us. Um, because we're all going to run into closed doors. And, and even when you're sold out to walking in obedience, even when you're sold out to doing it right, there are times that God is going to shut the door and say, uh, not now, not here. Okay, so, so just two principles for us to take away. The first is this. You need to push into faith. When you run into that closed door, you need to push into faith so you can resist the fear. You need to push into faith so you can resist the fear because often when the door closes, it catches you off guard, right? You're moving full steam ahead. Your wanter is fully set on going somewhere and getting something, and you really think God is leading you to it, and then you run into this closed door, and in that point, you can feel abandoned. You can feel at risk, and and there's this impulse that can come up where you're going to have this temptation to say, I need to take care of myself because God's abandoned me. Or if he hasn't abandoned me, he doesn't care about me because he's not giving me what I need, which is really what you want. But in that moment, your wants are so strong, it feels like what you need, right? Paul's life would have been a whole lot easier if God had just told him at the beginning, go to Troas and pray, and I'm going to show you what to do next, right? But he didn't do that. He gave him 1,300 miles of frustration before he gave him that vision because God was at work in that journey. God is never not doing a million things. You know that? God is never not doing a million things. When he feels like he's absent and silent, he is not. He is active and involved, even though he's not doing what we want, even though he's not engaging the way we want, he's not giving us what we want. He's doing something deep and powerful. And often what he's doing is unseen. Because what we love is the fruitfulness, but fruitfulness comes from from a lot of very, very deep work deep in the vine that produces strength and, and vitality and, and spiritual connectedness to, to Jesus, right? And so he's never not doing something. Um, so God's not going to tell you the next 10 steps. He's going to tell you the next step. And it takes faith to take it. You need faith to overcome the fear that's going to cause you to pull back, right? God doesn't tell you the next 10 steps. He just says, follow me. We use this phrase a lot around here. You need to trust his heart even when you don't understand his hand. Right? God's shown us his heart. He gave us Jesus. He gave us his best when we were at our worst. And if God has shown us his heart like that, we can trust his hand even when we don't understand what it's doing. Okay? Second thing is this. Choose long-range faithfulness over short-term fulfillment. Choose long-range faithfulness over short-term fulfillment. When you aren't getting what you want, your wanter will go crazy. You know what I'm talking about? When you've got all your desires set on this thing and that thing ends up on the other side of a closed door, your wanter goes crazy. And as a result, man, you start having this like internal dialogue. Well, if I can't have that, I should have that. If I can't have what I want, I deserve this, right? This entitlement comes in, this self-righteous, self-justified indignation sets in. And we start feeling like we're, we deserve something. And we're tempted to go through doors. We know God's forbidden. We're tempted to find satisfaction in ways we know that God isn't going to meet us in, but, but we have this internal angst. We have this sense of entitlement that says, I didn't get what I want, so I deserve to have some, for, some form of, of fulfillment, right? That's when we need to choose faithfulness over fulfillment. You need to choose to believe that God is at work even in the waiting and that he is present and active. 
There are some preachers that will tell you, hey, you know what, when, 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 when you pray for it and God doesn't give it to you, it's only because he has something better for you right ahead. So just stay faithful and keep going. And, and, and you didn't get, you know, the, the, the Volkswagen, but if you stay faithful, God will give you the Porsche, right? Just keep going. You didn't get the good thing. There's a better thing coming. And that may be true. That may, in fact, be true. It may not be. Jesus healed a man born blind. He'd been blind for like 30 years, his entire life. His disciples were like, why was he blind? Was it his sin or his father's sin? And Jesus was like, you know why he was blind? For that moment right there. So that God could get the glory from my healing him. There are times we go through difficult things, not so we can get better things, but so that God can get the glory. Sometimes we go through struggles so that someone else can be blessed. You're like, well, that doesn't sound fair. Yeah, welcome to Christianity. <laughs> right? Where Jesus died for our sin and rose again so we could be blessed. Following him often looks like suffering for other people's gain. God uses our pain in glorious ways sometimes we never understand. But listen to me, follower of Christ, your suffering never goes unredeemed. And God never wastes your pain. And so we need to choose long-range faithfulness over short-term fulfillment. All right, you guys, I am, I'm, I am proud to be part of a church that is willing to take risks for the kingdom. I am proud to be part of a church that is not afraid of failure, or at least apparent failure, because we know in the kingdom when we fail, we fail forward. Right? We're following a victorious God. And, and whatever ways we struggle and whatever we run into these closed doors, we know the door isn't closed um, because of our inadequacy. Our doors, this door is closed because the Spirit of Christ has said, not here, not now, not this way. But that doesn't mean he's absent or gone. God will get his glory, and when God gets his glory, we will get our joy. All right, you guys, let me close in a word of prayer. We're going to move into a time of reflection. And... Uh, I am going to, uh, we'll, we'll introduce communion after that, but let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for the faithful example of Aaron and Joni specifically. People that have planned for years and years and years and worked diligently, sacrificed, stepped out in faith, taken great risk. I thank you for their faithfulness. And I thank you, Lord, that that. In the midst of it all, it is your glory that shines. That at the end of the day, um, you're the one who gets the glory. And we're the ones who get the joy. So I thank you, Lord, for meeting them in this struggle. I thank you, Lord, for their example of faithfulness to us. And I pray, Lord, that we would be a people ignited in faith, that we would be a people ready, willing, and eager to take risk, that we would be a people that are lit up by love, wanting to share that love practically uh, with others, that they would be blessed as we have been. So bless them and bless this church for your glory and our joy. You guys take a few minutes and pray. We'll share communion in a moment.